In the beginning, the sun was Eloah. The son of El was both with El, and the son of El was Eloah. Shabbat Shalom from Under the Dome. My name is Noel, and I am here with my Hebrews, as as I so often am, Michael and Rob, or Rob and Michael. And uh, this is the Diaspora of Yasharel. Now, this is the, I think, the 16th chapter of, of the Hebrew Gospel of Yochanan. So I probably don't need to go over all the details again. You guys know what the Diaspora of Yasharel is. We are a uh, Torah pursuant uh, community that also upholds the testimony of Yehusha, which the testimony of Yehusha just so happens to uphold Torah as well. So that works out perfectly. We are going to open in prayer, and then I'm just going to lead right into it. Of course, we are uh, going over John chapter 16, but also Revelation chapter 6, and I am really excited for both of these tonight. Um, Richard, would you like to open us in prayer? Sure. Avinu, our Father, Shabbat Shemayim, who art in Shemayim, in heaven. Yekodesh hallowed be thy name. We seek you, Father, and spirit and truth in your Son's name, Yeshua HaMashiach. And we ask that your spirit would be upon us, guiding us, protecting us, shielding us from the enemy and from uh, sickness, disease, and all uh, evil spirits and evil people. And uh, I ask special protection. Uh, I know tonight is, it seems like he's under attack. And uh, Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Richard, for that prayer. Uh, Rob is going to just, I'm going to hand over to Rob. He's going to be reading from the Hebrew Gospel of Yochanan, chapter 16. Thank you, Noel. I will be reading verses 1 through 15. And then once again, I'll pass it over to Michael for uh, commentary, and then Noel, and then back to myself as we go through these verses. So, Yochanan, verse 1. These things I have spoken to you so that you should not be hurt. They, they will put you outside the houses of their assemblies. And a time will come that every man who comes will try to kill you. And it will seem to him that he is doing service to Yahweh. And these things they will do to you because they do not know the Father nor me. <coughs> And these things I speak to you in order that when the time of these things come, you may remember that I have spoken them. And I have not spoken them to you from the start while I was with you, but, with, but now I am going to him who sent me. And not one of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, your hearts are filled with anxiousness. However, I say to you that it is necessary for you that I should go. For if I do not go, Ruach HaKodesh will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
And when he comes, and when he will come, he will take and lay hold of the world because of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of and of judgment of iniquity because they do not believe in me and of right and of righteousness because i am going to the father and from now you will not see me except from afar for the prince of this world is already judged i still have many things to tell you but you are not able to bear them now but when the Ruach of truth will come, he will teach you all truth, for he will not speak of his own heart. Only the words which he hears he will speak and make known to you those words. He will glorify me from my father he will take and will make known to you all things which are my father's, which are mine, and he will make them known to you. That is end of verse 15. Pass it over to Michael. Yes, sir. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Um, John 16. So I didn't have much on the first part of John, but I was going through my notes today. Something really stuck out, and I kind of made a, an awesome turn here. So I want to talk about the heavenly courts. And I know Noel and I have mentioned it in previous um, you know, shows, but um, something really stuck out during this study. So um, we know Messiah is the judge. Um, Hasatan, we know he's the accuser. You know, that's the, you know, the district attorney. And then we read about the Ruach here. And I want to read both on, on verse 8. So I will do that. I'll start with the Greek. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And in the Hebrew, and he, when he will come, he will take and lay hold of the world because of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And I'm going to focus on the Greek, reprove. And I was doing a word study on that word, reprove. And it's it's strong, 1651. Elengho is phonetic. And it's interesting. So the definition is to expose, convict, or reprove. But then the usage is to expose or show to be guilty. So... This is, you know, this is a court. This is a courtroom. So this, the, the Ruach reproves, but it also is sh showing who is guilty. And I want to continue. Um, so if you're familiar with my Robinized Wisdom study, we talk about our, you know, blaspheming of the Spirit. And blaspheme in Hebrew is Natsah 5007, and the definition means contempt. That's another court analogy or a court word. So we have... Shown to be guilty, expose, convict, reprove. Um, blaspheming in the Hebrew is contempt. Um, Daniel 12, 2. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. So, well, we'll focus on the first part, many, not all. We thought that was interesting. I know Noel and Dave have done studies on that, that many will awake, not all. And those are to the everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. And I'm going to focus on that word contempt again. You know, your contempt of court, you're going to be thrown out. Um, also, so, you know, another word 
in the New Testament is blameless. Like we're we're always told to be blameless and and that. So basically, um, it's strong six seven seven in the Greek. Um, not causing to stumble, not stumbling, not offending, not causing offense or blameless. And that's another court, you know, courtroom analogy, causing offense. Um, Philippians 1.8 says, For Yah is my witness, how long, how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray that your love may overflow still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may discover the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and blameless for the day of Christ not causing offense. So, and I also wanted to point out the witness. God is is the witness, another courtroom analogy. But to be blameless is not causing offense. Okay, so now this was, I'm almost done here and I'll pass it off to Noel. But uh, many scholars now believe, and this is, you know, Yeshua is our high priest and the priests in the Old Testament, Urim, Urim and, and, uh, Urim and Thummim. So many scholars now believe Urim simply derives from the Hebrew term Arim. And, you know, Ronit or Pam could maybe help me with that, meaning curses. And thus, that Urim and Thummim essentially mean cursed or faultless, in reference to the deity's judgment of an accused person. In other words, Urim and Thummim were used to answer the question, innocent or guilty. Okay, so at the very beginning, I talked about um, blaspheming of the spirit, you know, the spirit convicts you, um, courtroom analogy, the accuser. This is this is my take on what blasphemy of the spirit is. And we, you know, it's, I didn't have much, and so I'm going with it. So bear with me here. But um, based on my studies, guys, the the New Testament is more spiritual. And what I mean by that is, for example, the the disciples were confused when Yeshua said he's the bread of life. They were thinking literally, like, where's the bread? How do I feed these people? Um, Samaritan woman was confused when he said, I am the living water. He was thinking literal. Nicodemus was confused. Born again in the resurrection. He was thinking, how can I be born again in my mother's? You know, so to end this, my take after going through all these is blaspheming of the spirit means you will not be born again. The judge will not pardon you because you, in, you are in contempt of his court and found blameless. So this is my take on it. It's a more, more spiritual take on the matter than most people. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. Off to Nona. That was really good. And I'm glad you covered that because I feel like the theme word, like if everybody was to scream uh, when we said the theme word for the night, it would be confusion or confused or any form of it. Because even the disciples in the chapter, I, I, guys, I read through this chapter several times and I got to the, I got through it. I walked, I stood up, I walked into the other room and I told my wife, I said, I got nothing. Like, <laughs> I got nothing. Of all the chapters that we've read so far in the Hebrew Gospel of John, this is the one where, where, you know, and this is, again, contextually, this is, I had said a week or two ago, which tells you how long this conversation is going, that this reminds me very much of the end of Deuteronomy where Moses is, Moshe is getting ready to die and he's giving his last speech to uh, to the children of Yasharel before they cross over in across the Jordan. And so this is the same thing. It's his last speech. He's getting ready to die. And it, it goes for several chapters. And the disciples even say in here, like, yeah, uh, we're, <laughs> we're confused. We don't get this. And so I feel like I'm in good company because 
so I really struggle with some of this st stuff too. Here's, um, so I really, I do like that um, analogy that you came up with, Michael. And because uh, I was looking at this here specifically verse eight and it, when it says, and when he will come, he will take and lay hold of the world. And I'm like, well, that's a, I've never necessarily read of the Ruach HaKodesh in that light before. And so that is a very interesting way to look at it. Maybe you can even, uh, Rob, and it's his turn, can cover that a little bit more. So let me just talk about a few things that I really liked in this chapter. There's actually some sizable differences between the Greek and the Hebrew. And before I get to that, I almost feel like maybe in a before we conclude this series, we, we need to kind of have a big analysis of how we feel about this document as a whole. Um, keep in mind, everybody, that this document, this Hebrew document, is it's just one document, right? We don't have like a hundred Hebrew gospels of your canon at our disposal where we can compare notes and everything like that. And, you know, like we have with the Texas Receptus, where you have, you know, so many dozens or hundreds that you can compare them all. And, you know, and any kind of changes you have, you you, you go with the, the greatest number, right? Um, and so there's some things here we just don't know. And when we're talking about the Ruach, if the, the elephant in the room is that in this text, it, it we're still trying to decide, is this Hebrew? Uh, I'm sorry, it is Hebrew, but is this uh, masculine or feminine? For the Ruach HaKodesh. This is something that Rob and Michael and I have been scratching our heads at trying to figure out. Uh, we don't know. And so there's just, it's almost like if you, um, if you look at the, the Sefer, which is my, the Bible I like to go to. I had commented on Thursday night when I was going through my series on Matthew 24 that the translator of the Sefer, uh, he did a great job for the Sefer, but there were some clear biases that he chose to, to push a certain point. And so with this scribe, it's the same thing. Like I, I see this text as no different than the Sefer. Um, I don't believe that this is the oldest Hebrew text we have. Uh, this may not even be as old as some of the Greek texts. That's not, and I think that uh, this, we have, I have made a point of showing that this was not copied from the Greek, that it's copied from a Hebrew, copied from a Hebrew, copied from a Hebrew. You guys get my point. But there's some things in here, like, we, we, because we only have this one text, we can't possibly know what was going through the scribe's head. Um, so there's just some really interesting things here. Let me just, now let's go back to uh, some of the things I really liked in here. In verses 1 through 2, let me just, I'll read this again in the Greek. These things have I spoken unto you that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he does God service or Elohim service. Well, let's look at the Hebrew. These things I have spoken to you so that you should not be hurt. Now, we see already a difference there between you should not be offended and you shall not be hurt. And the word hurt can be translated, I believe, very much like offended. Uh, I don't know if it's just talking about a physicality or what, but maybe a little bit of both, uh, emotional and, and physical. And then it says, they, uh, they, they will put you outside the houses of their assemblies, which is a little bit different than synagogues, but let's, let's just run with it. Same thing. And a time will come that every man who comes will try to kill you, and it will seem to him that he is doing service to uh, Yahuwah. And so here we see a, another huge difference that. Uh, the the Greek or the King James, which is based upon the, the Texas Receptus, says that whosoever killeth you, 
right? So, he, but here it says everyone who comes will try to kill you, which is which is quite a difference. Um, and this is this is actually perfect because I don't want to I don't want to cover this yet, but we're going to do Revelation next, Revelation six, and. You guys remember, uh, I think you guys were all here for it, that on Thursday I covered Matthew 24. Well, this is really interesting because we're going to refer back to John chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, when I go over Revelation 6, because you can lay this over Revelation 6 and also Matthew 24, and they all fit perfectly. I can't really do it yet because we're not in Revelation. So if you guys hang in for the second hour, this is going to be really awesome. But anyways, all that to say, I, I really like that. And I also liked, uh, the other thing I really, really liked here was the difference between sorrow and anxiousness. All right? So keep in mind, everyone is trying to kill them because they think they're doing the service of Yahuwah. And we could we could see in the world we inhabit today where uh, I think everyone doesn't have to really use their imagination uh, to see how the world is going to hate us and feel that they are doing a service to, I'll just say God, uh, that they're doing a service to God by, you know, trying to imprison us, report us, so on and so forth. I don't need to say what it is, but you guys all know what it is and how easily it will be done. Well, we see here that in verse six in the, uh, King James, the Greek, it says, but because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Well, then it says over here that, but because I have said these things to you, your heart are filled with anxiousness. And um, I really like that that play there on, um, oh, you know what? But we're going to cover that in the second part. So I won't get into it now. But we're going to see in the second part of this chapter, this idea, this contrast between anxiousness and joy and um how how yahusha is going to take their anxiousness now this anxiousness we're going to see later on in this chapter and this plays in revelation 6 matthew 24 is that they are anxious for what they are anxious for their messiah to come back for them and the 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 sorrow is going to be flipped they're going to be anxious but it's going to be flipped on the world the world will become sorrowful so it's a really interesting way to look at this. All right, with that, I'm going to hand it back over to you, Rob. All right, great, great. Uh, I, I love the court analogy, Michael. Thanks for bringing it up. I'm going to touch touch on that uh, here too. I'll start with verse verse two uh, and piggybacking on what Noel was saying with it. The uh, <clears throat> they will be, they will be put outside the house of the assemblies of their assemblies. So. And let me, I'll, I guess I'll finish reading. And a time will come that every man who comes will try to kill you, and it will seem to him that he is doing the service of Yahweh. So, what I wanted to point out on that is uh, they're going to put, whether it's us, whether it's a future, whether it's a past, whatever timeline uh, you want to want to pick. But we all know that they're going to they're going to put us outside the assemblies. They're rejecting us. So they will want to kill you. So we see that no matter where we walk, anyone disagrees with your view, your faith, uh, many times it's going to be some type of uh, negative reaction. And here he's mentioning that they will want to kill you. And I believe it, it's all in the mindset of the knowledge of man, thinking they are righteously acting for Yah, 
So you have people out there thinking they're doing a service to Yah, and they're basing it on their knowledge of the scriptures, that they are doing the right thing, that they know, they know that you are wrong and they are right. And they are going to be judging you, rejecting you, and will want to kill you and will kill you. That's, that's very dangerous. And we, we see in even the Torah community how others judge others in the community and kill the character uh, of other people. And, and then obviously with other religious faiths out there doing the same thing up to other religious faiths. They're out there bashing one another, uh, going at it because one interprets scriptures one way and the other another way, and they're, they're not showing fruit. And you wonder, with some of these people, what would happen if you locked them in a room together for a week? You know, would they choke each other or would they somehow get along? I don't know. But my point to that is, uh, I think it's all driven by the knowledge of man, what people thinking that they're right. And here we see this in verse 2. I believe that's what it's talking about, that people who are religious, thinking they're doing the right things, they are not because if they if they knew the father like in verse 3 if they knew the father and his son they would show fruit towards those who who they don't agree with they wouldn't want to kill them and they wouldn't kill them they would show the fruit and that is where uh many people are headed uh anytime we have the and, and these discussions and people are just filled with hate because they disagree with, with the views. Have compassion. Have love. If we are wrong, or a person is wrong with what they are, are, are teaching, uh, then I hope, I hope uh, you have Yeshua HaMashiach telling you that that is true. So it, it's, it, it's, it's going to be based, uh, obviously it's going to be based on Yeshua judging our hearts, knowing where we're leaded, leading in, in our search for truth. So just keep that in mind. Then I want to uh, talk about verse 7. We see here Yeshua must go, Yeshua must leave in order for the set-apart spirit to be sent. And I believe that that has to happen. Yeshua has to remove himself. So the next entity, this set-apart spirit coming in, is brought in to test and reprove, as it says, reprove the world. And it, it can do so because now Yeshua has moved on. He's, he's no longer there, you know, physically there present. So now they have seen the witness. He has testified of the Father. So now they are held accountable. They're now held accountable. So now the set-apart spirit can come and hold them now accountable for his witness of himself and the Father. So with that being being said, that's where Michael tied in with the contempt. That's how all, all of this is done. There's an order and process that is being used by the Most High. And by doing this, there is accountability, and you cannot uh, talk yourself out of it, so to speak, uh, on that. So Yeshua came as a lamb, and here comes the set-apart spirit as another, uh, to come as another witness and act. So I wanted to talk about that. Uh, lastly, on this uh, on this is uh, verse eleven. 
And then I'll circle back around after we go through it. And I got something, I got a slide to share, uh, unless you want me to share it now. But uh, I got, uh, on verse 11, it says, For the prince of this world is already judged. So think about that. He's, he's throwing a comment here that he's already judged. So if he's already judged, he has been convicted. If he's been convicted, he must be working out that conviction. And so it, 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 it begs me to think, is that conviction, him already being thrown in the lake of fire, him being already punished somewhere, or his time has not yet come and his conviction is to do a specific job or specific uh, <laughs> penitence or whatever you want to call it until his time of final judgment. Uh, and, if, and if this is the case where uh, the Hasatan has been given everlasting life and that's why he will always suffer in punishment, perhaps he is now ordered for his conviction to do X, Y, Z on or in the world uh, to do, also follow Yah's will. So, some things to think about. I'll pass it over to Michael to further comment. Yes, sir. I only have a few left on this first part of John, and I was going to touch on number 11 as well, like you just did. So, the prince of this world is already judged. I guess I can read the Hebrew in that. Um, in the Greek, actually, I'll start with the Greek, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. And in the Hebrew, verse 11, for the prince of this world is already judged. And... You know, if you're if you've been following along, we we've seen multiple instances of this, and you know we're not 100% sure on what to make of it, and we've thrown it out that it's, you know, it's possibly it's just you're living in sin and you're judged already, and that's why you know repentance is so important. You know, that's why you need the Son. You know, He says, "Go and sin no more" after you come to Him, right? Um, and I'm thinking of uh, someone. I think it was James. James' wife uh, brought up John three sixteen today, and uh, you know it's very similar to this. So we all know, for God loved so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Uh, Seventeen, for God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through Him. Now here, the the one who believes in Him is not judged. The one who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So this ties into what we're reading here in John, where if you do not believe, you're, you're already judged. And, you know, I always go to, you know, further down in that chapter, um, John 3.36, the one who believes in the Son has eternal life, but the one who does not obey the Son will not see life but the wrath of God. So it's equating belief with obeying. And that's what, like, if you're just not obeying, then you've already been judged. And that's what... I don't think we can, that's a far stretch to say that Hasatan is not obeying. Um, so I thought that was a good time. And then finally, I just had, you know, had to throw this out there that, you know, I'm I'm not a Hebrew expert. Yeah, and there, there it is, Kaylee. Kaylee threw it in in the writings of Abraham. So I'm not a Hebrew expert, but I have studied the Greek. And I just, you know, want to throw that out there that, you know, when it says he in the Greek, it's, it's, they're specifically putting he in there. It's the word is autos eight four six, and it could be he, she, it, they, them, same. So, whether there's an agenda or not, they're they're putting he into the Greek at least. 
And if you followed our wisdom study, you know, we're, we made the claim that, you know, it's a feminine. But um, that's all I got for that first part. I'll hand it off to Noel. I am going to hand it back to you, Mike, uh, Michael, and uh, just uh, start reading. Uh, Rob, you got anything else? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, all right. All right. I, I, I wanted to share one more slide on there. And this is more or less what we just read. And I just highlighted a few things on there that what I, what I wanted to walk away with this and think about is in, in the text, are, are we reading, reading this the way, the way it is written, or is there more to it? Because as I read it on the second part of the first paragraph here, it says, And when he will come, he will take and lay hold of the world because of sin and of righteousness. Now, I'm wondering, I, I assume the translation is correct, but it, it, when I read this, I thought, was he lay, laying, laying hold of the world, you know, putting it in um, a reproof, because of sin and of righteousness, or is it is the translation more towards because of sin against the righteous and the judgment of iniquity because they do not believe in me? To me, that makes more sense, but uh, I don't know. I just wanted to mention that, but it, it can go either way, but it just makes more sense to me uh, laying hold um, mostly on the ones that do not believe in him. and. And so, but it could also mean laying hold of the righteous too, because obviously the rock is there to lay hold and and uh, 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 work through us. So either way, I just wanted to bring that to the attention. And then down on the bottom, the rock of truth. Uh, another point is we see a lot of the time markers on this, and I'm going to speak the time markers in the next part. But on 13, but when the rock of truth will come. He will teach you all truth, for he will not speak of his own heart. And only the words which he hears, he will speak and make known to you these words. So here's Yeshua saying, uh, speaking up to the Ruach of truth, of what he will be doing when he comes. So I just wanted to mention that, of, of that word will, of time markers. And then this next part I look forward to. And I'll pass it over to Michael. With that, I am done. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, we'll finish this off in uh, John chapter 16. So, Rob, I'm starting on, I'm sorry, what number? Yeah, verse 16. 16, perfect. Okay. A little and from then you will not see me, for I am going to the Father. Therefore his Talmudim said among themselves, What is this which he tells us? After a little you will not see me, and again a little and you will see me. For I am going to the Father. But they said, What is this which he tells us a little? We do not understand what Yeshua speaks. And when it came that they wanted to ask him, he said to them, What is this that you are speaking among yourselves? Because I said, After a little, and you will not see, and again a little, and you will see me. Truth I say to you, that you will weep, but the world will be glad, and you will be anxious, but your anxiousness will be turned into joy. The woman who gives birth is anxious, because her time has come. But after she has given birth, she does not remember the trembling anymore, because of the gladness and joy which she has that the child was born into the world. 
and truth, so is your anxiousness. But I will see you again, and your heart will be glad, and no man will take away your joy from you. And that day you will not ask me anything. Truth I say to you, if you ask the Father anything in my name, you will ask and you will receive, so that your joy may be complete. These things I have spoken to you in parable, but then I will openly make known to you from my Father. In that day will you not ask in my name? For I do not say to you that I will pray to the Father for you, because he loves you as you love me, and believe that I went out from hell. I, I went out from the Father and came to the world. And again, I am leaving the world and going to the Father. Then his Talmudim said to him, Behold, you are speaking to us openly, and you are not speaking any parable to us. Now we know that you know all things, and you do not need to ask another. By this, we believe that you went out from hell. Yeshua answered them, Do you believe now? Behold, the time is coming and has already arrived, and so you will be scattered, every man to his house, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. These things I speak to you, in order that you may have shalom in me alone, for you will have distress in the world, but trust in me, for I, I have conquered the world. Off, off to know for commentary. Yeah, so this is what I was talking about, or insinuating in, in the last passage. So here we see Yahusha is, now, the, the quote of, keep in mind, everyone, that this is ongoing for, again, for a few chapters, and Yahusha has been saying a lot of the same things, kind of repeated, but in different ways, and he has already stated earlier that he was leaving, and then he was going to return for them again. And for those of you who tuned in to the, the study on Thursday night on, on uh, the 80, 70, and 66, 67, 70, and the, the glorious appearing and all that, this is, I, I really need to just do a whole second edition and just go through and dig out more scripture because repeatedly he says, look, I'm coming back again. Like, I'm, you know, I'm leaving, but I'm coming back. And they, they were like, how, how can that be, right? All right, so we see here that uh, they will weep, but it will be turned to joy. Um, or, I'm sorry, their anxiousness will be turned to joy. What I think is a little strange, and the, the King James, the Greek, says it the same way, that the... Um, where is it? The oh yeah, that that the people persecuting will rejoice. Um, no, what's the word they use? Um, uh, whatever. I just had it, but then um, oh yeah, but the world will be glad. And it's actually the 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 King James that says rejoice, but in the Hebrew it says glad. I always find that a little bit strange. You know, like the pers people persecuting you. Um, they are doing it because, as he said, they feel like they're actually doing it in the service of the Most High, or I'll just say God, but ultimately they're, you know, persecuting the Father himself, or Yahusha himself. But I always think that's a little strange because it's not really a, a, a real gladness. You know, it, it's, they're really, you know, disturbed people they're not happy they're it's it's fake uh gladness but it's 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 kind of interesting so i i do like though that the 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 contrast here and maybe again i'm not reading the hebrew maybe it really does say the world will be joy joyous uh or rejoice uh but it says glad but then it, it changes the language to the anxiousness of the disciples will be turned to joy when is it turned to joy when the baby is born right the they're born again. And we see, again, the same sort of verbiage, the same sort of language in Matthew 24 of, you know, these, these birth pangs that are, are happening, 
And then finally, you know, it's intense and uh, every woman who's given birth knows the, the, uh, the pain of childbirth. And then, but once that baby comes, it's like, you forget all that. You've got the baby in your, in your arms. And I feel like that's what he's saying to them. Like when I return, you're going to be filled with, you know, all that anxiousness that you had for my return. Boom. Here it is. You're going to be, you know, joyful. Um, and the, one other thing that I really wanted to, um, make mention of here is that, I'm seeing a big distinction between the spiritual and the physical kingdom of Yahusha. And we see time and again that, you know, he says, he says that his kingdom is not of this world. We're, we're going to probably get to that in maybe two or three weeks from now. Uh, you know, if, if, if it were of this world, that his Talmudim would fight for it, right? So it's, it's interesting to see the, um, the play between going to heaven to his kingdom, which is uh, ever existent. It still exists to this day. It exists since day one. It wasn't like he didn't have a kingdom. And then all of a sudden after his resurrection, he had one, the kingdom was already there. Right. And uh, the, the son of the king left the king, left, left the kingdom to come down to earth and he's returning to it. And um, the, the physical was something that was still in the future at this point. Hopefully everyone can kind of see that. I just really wanted to stress that point because I'm having all these people come to me and say, like, I'm reading this wrong, that, you know, that he ushered in his, his kingdom, his physical kingdom on earth immediately. And uh, very clearly he's saying here, he's taking his, he's coming back for his disciples and taking them to where he is in his spiritual kingdom. So um, Rob, back to you. Okay. Um, I'm gonna, I'll drop, I'll drop uh, my slide in here. And talk about that. All right, so I want to touch on verse 20. Here it says, uh, Truth I say to you that you will, you will weep, but the world will be glad, and you will be anxious, but your anxiousness will be turned into joy. And we know that the anxiousness will be turned into joy, as Noel was just mentioning. It comes in the future. So the prosperity preachers out there, what could they say with this verse? Here's Yeshua saying to his disciples, Truth I say to you that you will weep. You will weep. And, but the world will be glad. Uh, and, the, and then our anxiousness, it says you will be anxious. But your anxiousness will be turned into joy, and we know that joy comes one day. So I just wanted to touch on that. Uh, and then second here in verses 22 to 24, with the uh, your anxiousness, and truth, so is your anxiousness, but I will see you again, and your heart will be glad. So here's Yeshua saying he will see them again. And when's that going to be? <laughs> Uh, we know, and their heart will be glad, and no man will take away your joy from you. And that day, you will not ask me anything. Truth I say to you, if you ask the Father anything in my name, you will, you will ask and you will receive so that your joy be, is made complete. So here he's telling them, uh, if you love Yeshua, uh, you ask the Father directly. Not Yeshua, you ask in his name. So we, that's what we do, and that's why he gave us the example of the, the, quote, the Lord's Prayer, praying to the Father. So 
And then, and then down in the last verse here, he mentions in thirty verse thirty three, you will be scattered and may have sh and may have shalom in me alone, for you will have distress in the world, but trust in me. So you will have distress in this world. We're going to have hard times, hard decisions, uh, things that come into our lives, daily lives that change and alter, and it's going to give us some distress, especially against those who are against us, working against us, but trust in me, for I have conquered the world. So we have a, that future, the future kingdom coming. You know, that's where, that's what Yeshua preached, the kingdom to come. So we are seeking the kingdom to come uh, as we are scattered throughout this, this world. And we, we must have that shalom, trust in him and expect distress. And, uh, yeah, so I'll end it with that, and I will pass it over to Michael. All right. Um, as I said at the beginning of John, I didn't have much, and luckily I found that word study. So the second part, I only have two things, so no, no get ready. Um, number 16, I want to read. Um, a little while, and you shall not see me. And again, a little while, and you shall see me, because I go to the Father. And that's a big difference. It still says pretty much the same thing, but... The, there's a big difference in the Greek to the Hebrew. The Hebrew just says, a little, and from then you will not see me, for I'm going to the Father. Um, and we were talking about, I don't know if Noel mentioned it at the beginning, but on the side we were talking about you know, the legitimacy of these books and all that, that kind of stuff. Um, I was doing some research, and because I go to the Father, was omitted by the Codex Vaticanus and the Codex Sinaiticus. And I thought it was interesting that the Hebrew picked it up from as the Greek did. I don't know what that means, but I, I don't know. I'm just trying to connect the dots here. But I, those other two manuscripts, that part is not in it. And yet the Greek and the Hebrew are. So, And then finally, uh, number 32, I'm just going to read the Hebrew. Behold, the time is coming and has already arrived. And so you will be scattered, every man to his house, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is within me. And I just wanted to do one quick cross-reference, uh, Zechariah 13, 7. Awake, sword, against my shepherd, and against the man, my associate. Declare to the Lord of armies, strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered, and I will turn my hand against the little ones. Like I said, I, I didn't have much on this John 16, um, but I uh, hope you enjoyed it. That's all I have for now. No, take it away. I don't have anything else either, and in fact, I had some notes to talk on uh, this this document as a whole, but I, I almost feel like I need to hold off on that for maybe towards the end. That'd be a good way to end our study. And that's all I have on, as everyone could tell, <laughs> Rob, Mike, uh, Rob, Michael, and I this week, we were just like, do you guys got anything? Because <laughs> it, uh, it was kind of a tough chapter. But anyways, I'm ready to move on to Revelation, if you guys are. Can I get a yay or an A? Well, yeah, I, what, I, what I wanted to ask is, do you want to open the floor up for five, ten minutes of any questions on what we just read? Yes, I do. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me, Rob, because I would have forgotten. So, <laughs> uh, brilliant suggestion. So, um, we are going to open up this up to a roundtable, as we always do. Please, if you have any um, thoughts on anything that was spoken by us or something you read, um, any observations or even questions? Um, now, speak now or forever hold your peace. 
I had something I wanted to say. Uh, the verse that you read that says a little time and you'll, you won't see me and, and then a little time you will. That ties in so well with what you were talking about Thursday about it not being 2000 years till he comes back. You know, he's saying a little bit and you won't see me and a little bit I'll be back. And it wasn't that long. I actually, I agree. And I agree. And if, if it's, if it, again, it's, it's all this language that if he's, what he's really saying is that, okay, guys, I'm going away in a little while and then you're going to die and then you'll see me again. It's, you know, I, I don't know if anybody is would really read that and go and honestly assess that that's really what he's saying. Um, because if he was, then it seems like it would be worded very differently. And um, time and again, yeah, we, we get this. It's like Yahushua says the same things over and over and over again, like the same 20 things. And but he just phrases all like in different parables and different, you know, different ways of saying it to get people to understand it. So. But I think you, you made it abundantly clear and very clear. And what Rebecca was pointing out is he wasn't being vague in his language. <laughs> Yahushua's not vague, is vague in his language. If he wanted to express it in a different way, as you pointed out, he would. And he does. But in this case, he doesn't. So let's not throw our, you know, read or change his words or add to his words. Because as you pointed out, he was talking you know, present tense, he was talking about that time, not a 2,000 years down the, down the line. And the other point I think you, you really um, made clear is where the tr translator's um, bias can sometimes come in, where the use of his has now come in sometimes. But again, um, without, you know, throwing it into um, disagreement, that you point out that sometimes we have this translator bias and it, it shows. Yeah. I'm, I, I wanted to comment on that little uh, segment is that we know here he's saying as, as Becca just said that a little while and then a little while I'll be back. And we also see this, this similar comment with Hasatan with the, the little while you know, given to him at the end. So I think that's a, a nice, good point to, to think about. Um, so yeah, Michael? Yeah. Um, is it possible this is just talking about that you will see him after he's resurrected and you will see me in a little bit before I go back to the Father? Is that possible? What do you, what do you guys make of that? Because he's still alive. He hasn't died yet. And um, Yeah, that's maybe, possible. Yeah, yeah that's I think it is possible. I you, know me, so... I, I, you know me, I try and point out all the post mills, but oh, yeah, yeah. Part, so. I have a few comments. Please, um, go ahead. So, um, so Michael, you uh, mentioned Urim Tumim. So, Urim um, comes from the word light, not curse. I think you, you thought maybe that it's a derivative of Kyrus. So, um, so that's the uh, Urim. And then um, on verse 2, where it says, they will put you outside.